The Scottish Mortgage Podcast Invest in Progress is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Or Zobi, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis. Or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms. Your capital is at risk. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Advice Show. I'm Zach, a reporter at Needle Model Advisor, and welcome to the latest monthly roundup. Joining me today is senior reporter Victoria Bell and chief reporter Nicola Blackburn. Hi, guys. How are you? Welcome back. Hi. Hi, Zach. This is um, Victoria's first time on the podcast, on the monthly roundup, I should the say. The monthly roundup, you should say. <laughs> have, you found, have you found podcast, Victoria? Um, terrifying. I was actually thinking of that exact word. <laughs> well, I, I think it's find... okay. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think it's okay once you get into it, but it's that first sort yeah. of five, ten minutes. It feels slightly unnatural, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 nice that it's this one is you guys. Um, no disrespect to some of my former guests. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get into we'll get into the month then the month that's just been. It's been another busy month for us. Um, I mean, what immediately springs to mind is actually next week is that delayed autumn statement. Um, so I guess we should kind of talk about what we kind of expect to be in that. But as opposed to the month that's just been, I mean, I think the biggest thing that springs to my mind was the massive news from SJP, right, Nicola? Yeah, I mean, this, you know, and our readers will have thoughts on this too, but this has to be one of the biggest stories that, uh, new model advisor has reported in a long time um, that SJP scrapped its early withdrawal charges. Um, so this applies to, just briefly, this applies to all new pension and investment bond products starting from 2025. But, and you know, there, there are a couple of other changes that they announced too, but put simply, SJP is getting rid of exit fees. Uh, huge. I mean, I think every yeah. advisor listening knows that you know, SJP is the biggest firm in the advice firm in the UK, but also the only one, only kind of major one to have the exit fees. So huge. Absolutely. And we'll get into that. Um, but like I said, for I'm sure for a lot of our listeners and people we speak to on a day-to-day basis, um, a lot of them just couldn't see this happening for a while. Um, so, so we'll get into what that means for the regulator moving forward as well as of course consumers um i mean you know elsewhere vicky how have um you know vicky have platform flows been um have they been doing um, the last month well we all know that platforms have been going through a bit of a rough patch um for various reasons including inflation high interest rates um investor sentiment is pretty low at the moment um yesterday we had research from the Lancash and also separate research from Fundscape um flows are now at an all-time low and as well gross outflows broke records at 14 billion which obviously makes for quite grim reading mm. yeah yeah absolutely and we'll delve into that as well i mean on my side you know as well preparing for the autumn statement next week we seem to have um just in the last couple of days news that um potentially we may see 
um, a lowering of the forty percent headline rate of inheritance tax. Anyway, yeah, we're we're, we're seeing we're seeing news that that may come down. Um, it's interesting. Inheritance tax is often rumoured to be scrapped in these things. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I think that um, the Conservatives right now just need a headline policy um, to turn back the tide, really, of, of the polling that's coming in. Um, as, as everyone, I think it was last month's podcast, I was I was fresh from the Labour conference um, and it, it was very much a mood of a government that's expected to be there. Um, mm. If anything, playing down expectations, I think, for the economic reality um, that we all face. But yeah, thanks, guys. I mean, I just want to firstly talk about that SJP news in a bit more detail, uh, Nicola, if we might. I mean, as you said, you know, it's it's monumental. And I know we did a, um, I believe it was myself and our other reporter, our data reporter, Alicia, um, who just called up a load of advisors instantly and pretty much just asked everyone what they thought. Um, I mean, what what did you make of it? Did you see it as a, a sort of a win for the regulator in in pressing hard on their consumer duty commitments? Yeah, a, a win is is a good way of putting it. I think you know, um, if anything, it you know it was it was quite delayed. I mean, consumer duty came into force at the end of July, and this happened last month in October, um, and it's been an issue that um, has been talked about. What well, I say, issue, it's been uh, a feature of SJP's advice model that has been talked about, and issues have been raised about it for a long time. So I think it's fair to say it was a bit delayed from the FCA. Um, but, but you know, a, a, a really significant move from them. Uh, so that from them, not great for SJP. Um, at the time that we reported on that, St. James's Place share price um, dropped between 40 and 50%. I can't remember the exact wow. figure. Um, it still remains really low it's been it's been kind of drifting downwards whilst we continue discussion i will look up the latest share price as of uh friday the 17th of november yeah, which is today please. um but yeah i mean briefly they announced a few other changes too that i think are quite significant for our readers um mainly that they're going to now moving forward separate out uh their charges so um, a complaint that people have had about SJP is that there's there's a lack of transparency about their charges, mm. um, product charges, advice charges, etc. Um, now these will be kind of separated out when presented to clients. Um, and at the time, SJP said, you know, we actually want to do that to help clients consider the value they're receiving from each element of their services, and to better a sorry better enable clients to um, review and compare their charges across the marketplace. So SJP are really showing an awareness there that um, you know that that transparency is maybe not in the be- well, sorry lack of transparency was not in the best interest of um, of their clients. Mm. So so some really significant stuff here. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I mean, you know, I recall. We did um, an advisor reaction piece to it um, as soon as the news came out. And I recall a lot of advisors um, really getting into the detail of it and pointing out that it only applies to new business that's coming through, not existing business. Um, and so that means that, and so that's for some of them, it left it left a bit of a loophole in terms of they would rather see it on all customers um, rather than just new customers. Uh, a lot of them also pointed out that because they only come into effect in the second half of 2025, 
um, wants to stop prospective clients just waiting a couple of years. Um, yeah, than... and actually, just to clarify that point, Zach, yeah, all these charges, sorry, all these changes will come into effect from the second half of 2025. So not immediately and only for new customers. Mm. Yeah, um, it's interesting um, because, you know, I recall um, someone saying to me that SJP is an extremely well-run business um, and this is only an aspect um, of sort of the new focus on um, on value for clients. Um, and I believe he, he likened it to, um, to playing Jenga and you've got to be careful which block you pull out and when. Um, basically, another way of saying they've got to be careful of um, doing not doing too much but doing enough if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely absolutely doing enough I think um, you know from SJP's perspective though it's you know it's the it's the single biggest change they have made to their advice model in the history of that business and they've been significant in the advice space for decades so you know, you have to give them them credit and um, it's something that would have involved, you know, a massive amount of overhaul, a massive amount of uh, sort of rethink about their business model. So just to give them a bit of a bit of credit for it as well, mm. really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and of course, it, it raises all sorts of questions as well for advisors working for SJP, their partner practices and, and things, you know, if, as you said, it's a massive change to their business model. And, and um, you know, of course, there's a big discussion to be had about where this leaves their advisors. Um, I mean, Vicky, you know, we spoke about platforms earlier. I gather you had a story on um, sort of the length of time it's taking for assets to transfer off platforms at the moment. Yes. Um, you know, as I spoke, as I talked about before, platform flows, you know, they're at an all time low. And um, amidst all this, we had sources coming to us and saying that certain providers are putting up barriers that are slowing the transfer process down. Um, we learned that some had stopped doing electronic in-species SIP transfers. Um, some are demanding wet signatures, um, which can obviously add weeks to transfer processes. Um, this means that what we call a seeding platform or the platform giving the assets to another platform, not giving them, but transferring them to another platform. This means that what we call a seeding uh, platform can hold on to those assets for longer um, retain the BIPs for them. Um, and as interest rates remain as they are, they're also, well, in a lot of cases, retaining a cash margin on those assets. Um, the FCA are aware of that this is an issue, and while they did release a policy statement to make transfers simpler in 2019, it is essentially principle-based and effectively means platforms are marking their own homework. Um, so I think what's really important um, to note is that this slow transfer process means that advisors might be deterred to switch platforms. It also means that advisors know that this process can take um, a long time. So mm. some say that they aren't doing transfers in specie because they know how long it's going to take. Um, so they tend to cash out. Um, that's obviously bad for the end customer um, who's then taken out of the market. And with, you know, we all know that there's market volatility. So it's that's quite bad. Yeah. Vicky, that's 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 really interesting. I mean, it's kind of huge, right? Because 
the longer the assets aren't transferred, you know, mm. the more the more money the more money um, the, that former platform is getting, right? Yeah, and obviously the re- the receiving platforms are very annoyed about this. I mean, demanding wet signatures in this day and age. It is obviously it's important to note that it's not just platforms; it's fund managers, um, some of whom you know still use fax machines. Um, there is a whole chain. So there's platforms, there's fund managers, there's you know, and if one of those people don't have don't support electronic transfers, then it slows it down so massively. Um, do some do some fund managers really use fax machines still? Yeah, I didn't know the, that. Some of the yeah, well, I'm told that some of the boutique As in, uh, fund managers they will use fax machines. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> while, wow. They're, while they're managing okay. hundreds of millions of pounds in funds, <laughs> yeah, yeah, using a tax machine from 1985. <laughs> well, a lot of people say that, don't they? Um, wow. The fax machines are still quite widely used in the finance industry. And and Vicky, what is when when you wrote this story, what did the platforms, how did the platforms explain this? What did they say? Um, well, the SIPs, obviously, because it's a pension, uh, some, you know, pensions take longer to transfer because of overseas, um, you know, equities within those assets. Um, as well, I suppose, um, platforms, they tend to be structured as a transfer in team and a transfer out team. Um, some don't have that. For example, um, I was talking to Transact the other day and they just have one pla- one transfer team. But they, platforms tend to put more resources into their transfer in teams. Um, it makes business sense because, you know, why would you put extra resource into your transfer out team? It's like, oh, let's lose loads of money. Let's pump mm-hmm. loads of money into losing loads of our money. <laughs> And that's really interesting. I mean, speaking of sort of issues and technical issues um, that we've seen amongst a few providers, Nicola, I gather there was um, a story of yours um, about annuity quotes not being offered? Yeah, that, that there is. Uh, yes, yeah, gosh, speaking of sort of things that are popping up that are, you know, um, not allowing clients to move in and out of products and platforms and yeah, move away from different businesses. It seems to be the common thread this episode, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, I mean, okay. So this happened. We wrote this story about three weeks ago now. Um, so there are what seven or eight main annuity providers um, on the market. So three mm. of them we found out um, were not had not been offering. So this was Aviva Standard Life and Scottish Widows. They had not been offering quotes on some or all of their annuity products for at the time of writing seven days. Um, and the provider said this was because their reinsurer there was a, there was a technical issue with their reinsurer, which means the annuities weren't yeah you know none of that reinsurance was there for the annuity products they could offer, so they just pulled them off um, you know those annuity shopping sites, um, and they weren't available to for advisors to to shop around and, and have a look at. Um, so that's obviously a huge deal. Basically, almost half of the market weren't offering products. So raising questions about whether or not advisors and clients could get the best quotes out there. But there was a secondary issue to this. And that was that not all of these providers appear to have actually communicated to advisors or to, you know, customers shopping around that this issue was happening. So it meant, again, that people weren't aware that they might not have been getting the best quotes. 
Um, when we contacted these companies, Scottish Widows said it had contacted advisors about the issue and it actually discouraged them from, um, from you know, moving forward if they had any um, enhanced annuity cases. So for Scottish Widows, this was affecting their enhanced annuities. So they had, you know, advised advisors not to proceed with any cases before they mm. fix the issue. Um, but there seemed to be, just looking at the comments on that article, you know, some advice, one advisor said that he had heard nothing from these three providers informing him of the issue, despite having contacted them about quotes. Um, so, and, you know, Standard Life also said it had made customers looking for an annuity aware, but there seems to be, you know, some kind of mm. mismatch here. Some of them weren't actually communicating this. Um, so I think this story, obviously there's the immediate issue, but, you know, looking at it from another way, if you think about the consumer duty, um, they, they, I mean, how, how is this helping customers? The fact that they weren't probably, they might not have been getting the best quotes on offer, but they also weren't being made aware of, of the issue by the providers. No, um, absolutely. And I think as well, um, that communication aspect um, is something that we hear a lot in 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 a lot of sort of in a lot of areas really um, we hear a lot you know of advisors complaining about back office providers um, not communicating with them effectively enough um, uh, external providers you know wait times and service levels not being up to scratch and I guess it's a real challenge for those firms but also for the regulator because it's a long-standing issue that's affected so many different areas of advice. Um, and of course, in this case, it's particularly damning as well because, you know, it, it, it really puts the consumer um, on, a, yeah. on a downward step, you know? No, definitely. And I mean, to put this into perspective, you know, this, this issue had been happening for seven days. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but it is not hard to send an automated email to a customer base with the same message saying, we are aware of this issue, we're letting you know, and we advise you not to proceed with any with any purchases. You know, that, that's not a hard thing to do. Um, as, as something I forgot to add is that at, I, I confess that I was away on holidays for three weeks, so had not looked into whether this issue was still ongoing. Just before this podcast, had a little shop around on an annuities, um, you know, website, and there only seemed to be standard annuities being offered to me from three providers. So we will be getting back in contact with these providers about this issue because it appears that it could still be ongoing almost a month later. And that's pretty um, serious if that's the case. No, that's really, that's really, um, that's really important, Nicola. I think that communication in general is, is such a big part of what advisors do. Yeah, that's such an important issue. And it brings to light um, a story I wrote about a data breach, um, particularly the whole um, communication aspect of it. Um, so yes, this was a story I did about um, True Potential this month. Um, this was when uh, their platform inadvertently leaked the personal details of, I think it was 6,336 uh, 6, clients um, to an advisor. Um, so what essentially happened was, um, the advisor in question, Celtic Financial Planning, um, who look after two of their clients um, who use the True Potential platform, were given access to a database. Um, so they clicked on the spreadsheet to download it and pops up more than 6,000 clients' details, of course, who aren't 
with Celtic financial planning. Um, now, this might not sound like a big deal in terms of, oh, someone's just clicked a spreadsheet, it's shown up more than it could, and it's only to an advisor. But ultimately, this is really sensitive information. Um, and if you know an advisor asks for the details of two clients, they need to be just shown the details of those two clients that they're authorised to have mm-hmm. access to. Because um, this included um, full the client's full names, uh, this included their addresses, this included their national insurance numbers. Um, yeah. So it's not good, really. Um, and, you know, true potential in response to Celtic Hack did say that it was being raised with management and that it was being dealt with. Um, but these are massive breaches. How did it happen? Um, so that's the thing. We don't know. Um, okay. So we, we don't know. We assume it was a technical issue. Um could it have been someone sending across the wrong spreadsheet? We don't know. Um, you know, I'm assuming it's completely, you know, just a technical fault. Um, but the worrying thing about it is that, you know, this needs to be treated extremely seriously um, because of the sensitivity of the information. Um, and there needs to be rigid protocols in place to ensure that that doesn't. I mean, you know, the Information Commissioner's Office, ICO, are supposed to be informed um, within 72 hours um, of a data breach. Um, I believe the um clarification from that is if it's a data breach that is exposing people's personal information uh, this would qualify as that really um yeah so yeah it's it's a huge amount of uh it's a huge amount of people and i think uh these we can often forget how sensitive this information that that advisors deal with on a daily basis is uh, and how important it is that it's protected so what happens yeah. with um, True Potential then? Do they get, does anything, do they get a so fine? Tr- so, so True Potential have, um, uh, True Potential have re- will have had to report this to ICO. Um, okay. And they've just said they'll conduct an investigation into the matter. Okay. Um, I, ge- I okay. guess, you know, we leave it at that. It's, it's such an interesting story because it's, you know, it, on the one hand, you can look at it and go, somebody has uh, was not thinking right and they sent a document to someone else and they just thought, oh, you know what, rather than pulling out these two clients' details, I'll just send them this spreadsheet and they can find them. You know, silly human error, someone wasn't, wasn't thinking. But on the other hand, for all the reasons you've just pointed out, Zach, it's a serious data breach. And like we all know that in this day and age, if some data is shared over the web somewhere, then it is so easy to access um, mm. by, you know, scammers and hackers and all of our listeners. You know, we know that so many of them, re- you know, receive, they get um, their firms cloned, they receive um, calls that are directed at them, but um, I-, I just, you know, scams and that's because their their information about their businesses and things are so freely available. Like this stuff is so serious and scams are happening yeah. all the time. So you know, I'm, I'm sure advice firms feel that they have to be so much more cautious about about data being leaked than than they used to be. Um, it's it, it, it's also a great yeah. point because it raises um, it, it brings to mind another question that we are um, sort of looking at all the time, which is AI, right? And how um, we how advisors use AI because, of course, they should be encouraged to be to use AI. We're often criticizing them for not being ahead of the times um, and not being um, as advanced as their commercial competitors, you know, as Facebook, Apple, whatever. Um, 
However, with that also needs a lot of regulation and a lot of responsibility to ensure that these details aren't passed, for example, into ChatGPT, into the web. Uh, they're not being outsourced to some third party that does their, you know, AI marketing for them or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's a really interesting topic and I think there'll be more to go on it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, maybe it will make some firms think about their processes that they have in place when they are referring a new client onto a new business. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting story, Zach. Of course, the other story that comes to mind um, was our colleague, data reporter Alicia Hagopian's piece um, on half of planners now earning over £100,000. Um, so about 52% of advisors now earn more than £100,000. Um, you know, that just marks a substantial change from last year when um, a third of planners earned in excess of this amount. Um, I think it just goes to show um, that the wage inflation that, that we've seen right now, um, you know, this, the increase does appear to become from salaries rather than bonuses. Um, yeah, so please, uh, I would encourage all our listeners to give that a read. Uh, it was a really well-read story um, and um, I think was was really informative for everyone. <laughs> Bit of good news to end the podcast. <laughs> Bit of good news to end the podcast. Get into financial advice, guys. It pays well. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you, Vicky, so much for joining me. Thank Thanks you. so much, Zach. No worries at all. You've been listening to The Advice Show with myself, senior reporter Victoria Bell and chief reporter Nicola Blackburn. For any questions, please feel free to tweet us at New Model Advisor or email us at nmateam at citywire.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. The Scottish Mortgage Podcast Invest in Progress is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Or Zobi, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis. Or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms. Your capital is at risk.